Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse. With your hosts, Kate Hancock and Daniel Robbins. Excited today. Welcome everyone to another episode of Meta Talks. We have a special guest. I say that every time, but this time he's very special because we just met him. He also interviewed us, which was great. And I love it was in a box, in a glass box. We can tell you about that later. But Kareem Nurani from Link2 is here. Welcome. Thank you, Daniel and Kate. It was my pleasure having you on our podcast. The box was beautiful. I've got to tell you that. We left the roof open so you could actually hear the music. So uh, that was the fun part of uh, the NFT Expoverse in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, it's definitely one of the highlights there. It was, you know, positioning is awesome. It was like the coolest box in the whole. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about that is you could get a 360 video. So I got such great footage of Kate and you being interviewed and interviewing at the same time. That's what I love about that box. Yeah, uh, you know, that, that was interesting. We, um, the box is a metaphor for a whole bunch of things that we have to break out of, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, really, it, it, if we think about it a little bit more, are we all in boxes? that we've created or other people have created for us and how do we step out of that box? Yeah, I love that. Hey, that's why the top is open. There you go. Think outside the box. There you go. I'm, I'll be jumping outside right there. Now, Karim, can you tell us about Link2? I really love the name and the branding side of things. Can you tell us exactly what you guys do? It's all about democratizing access to private investments that has always been very, very difficult for the ordinary investor. And I've got to categorize this a little bit. I'm not a financial advisor. I do not give financial advice. And the kind of investor that we're talking about is the accredited investor. The accredited investor is defined by the SEC and FINRA and regulation. So we stick to the term of accredited investor. Allowing accredited investors to have access to products or uh, investments in companies that has not been possible easily and simply until we created Link2. So Link2 Investments. Mm. And how do you vet potential Web3 project to invest in your, in, in your own? Um, do you do that for Link2 or as a whole? We do have a team of investment professionals and analysts uh, in our company. And we look at companies that are medium to late stage growth companies that might eventually become a public company. Uh, if not a public company, then they will be acquired by another company. So finding liquidity in this very illiquid market. We look at what kind of companies are being invested in by the lead uh, VC companies. And you think, can think of companies like Andreessen, uh, BlackRock, SoftBank. These are the companies invested. They do a lot of investments. We try to understand why they're investing in these mid to late stage companies. And then we look at the, uh, the infrastructure that these companies are building. 
identify in our in our uh, little format if we think they're great companies. Once we've gone through the investment analysis on our own, we then decide to invest in these companies and they we are on their cap table. So you'll see linked to as an investor in the companies. Mm-hmm. We see. then allow the back end uh, through a specific LLC for other investors to join us in the journey of these investments. So what made you guys decided to really focus heavily on Web3 only? Or is it open to a lot of projects as well? It, it's focused on, on infrastructure companies. So it's not necessarily only Web3. Mm-hmm. but which companies are building infrastructure that allows Web3 to succeed? Uh, which companies are being, in, we invest in companies on, in blockchain, but infrastructure companies, again, what blockchain companies are building infrastructure for other companies to succeed? For example, we've got, we just acquired a bunch of shares in Block Demon, which is infrastructure company. Yeah, Dan? Yeah, no, it's, it's really fascinating. And what I, what I thought that was pretty amazing the person who was, I'm not sure if he's employed or working with Link2, but he was telling me at the event, he was telling me that he, um, that he was actually a part of the community. And he was a part of the community and he got, he, he was telling me of just how involved everyone is. And I would love to hear about how did you create such, uh, you know, create such a community that's really, it's so engaged with one another. He was just telling me about all these things that the community does and and the reason why he was working there is because he was in the community first, which I, I think is you know probably the future of employees. So actually, that's a great question. And we're very proud of that. Ray Fuentes uh, was, was the fellow you spoke to. He's our community manager. He actually was an investor on our platform. That's how he started. He used to work with a different company, started investing with us on our platform, loved what we do, what we did and what, how we were creating this access uh, to other investors to to enjoy the opportunity of investing in private companies. And he would just tell us all the time, he says, when you do have an opening in your company, let me know, let me know, I'd like to join. And eventually an opening came up and he says, Ray, join the community. Uh, join the community. And it's our little link to community of employees. And uh, he's been powering out and every day works harder than uh, than anyone else I know. But I could say that for all of the employees at link to because they're so passionate about what we do. Um, and, and it's been it's been great. Uh, we we've uh, we've had great success in in more than Ray. We've had a few other uh, uh, investors who have always said that um, uh, it, it, when there's an opportunity, and we've done and we've taken we've taken uh, other people. We've adopted them into our company. That's so. amazing. It seems like that's a way to go of hiring. Like, look who's in your community, who's investing. And they already know what you guys are doing. So it's easier to inject the core values and mission and vision and it works. It works very well. And I think, Kate and Dan, you brought up a very good point. As we look at the trajectory of the new companies that are being built, uh, paying attention to who you are working with, whether they're a customer, client, advocate, um, ambassador, it's important that the value and the mission of the company aligns with who you are providing services to, uh, because they'll be your greatest fans for a long time. And if you give them the opportunity to either work with you directly or indirectly by owning shares in your company, which a lot of people don't do, uh, then you've built a a very strong um, internal company community and, and culture. Absolutely, Dan. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's amazing. I, I think of, you know, it used to be you look for a company and you apply, but you don't really know anything about it. And you hope you get the job because the title seems cool. And now it's like, you know, so much about the, the company that I would, I would think that the onboarding process is going to shrink significantly because you probably know so much about the job. You could just jump in, but do you see from a C-suite perspective and working with these, these companies that you're, you're investing in, do you, is that something you're looking at is, you know, the people seems to be a hot topic now, you know, in the world. It's important to pay attention to who the team is and what the, and who the people are. And we pay particular attention to the C-suite of those companies we're investing in, as well as the whole stack of employees. It's very important to see how those people align succinctly with the company value, whether they're talents. Well, talents and skills is something you all look at. The engagement that they have within their company is as important. But then who they are and what they've done previously, and you try to understand why they're there, right? So as we look at companies that are continuing to grow, we always pay attention to you know, their careers page, who's coming in, uh, who's leaving, and what kind of people that they're, um, they're trying to speak to. And that's a very important because it talks talks to us about the company culture and value and where the company is potentially going to go. If you go into an, a careers page and you say 15 openings for engineers, it gives you a pretty good indication that the company is still growing and growing rapidly, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. as an example. Absolutely. And Kareem, how does Link, Link2 simplify the process of investing? It's Ordinarily, let me walk you through a step of this. Ordinarily, if you were to try and invest in these companies that are private, there are two options for you. Either you are already a venture capitalist, so you get access to these companies uh, to invest in. Uh, and when I say venture capitalist, I mean hedge fund or private equity. Or you can go to the market and try and acquire some of their secondary shares, uh, which is all possible. But there are a lot of loop uh, hoops that you have to go through as an investor to get access to this. Mm -hmm. What we've done is we've already gone through those hoops. We've made the investment. We make the investment first. So we've already done the due diligence. We've acquired the shares and we've put it on our platform. If you go onto our platform, once you're a credit investor, it's, you know, currently we have about 25 companies on the platform uh, and that can be found on link2.com. And you point at a particular company that you like, all the data uh, information is there. You click onto it and then you can invest. So you can do the, the start to finish investment process in under two minutes. Um, and all the data that you need is, exists on that platform. We'll take care of all of the backend paperwork right from the point that you invest in by creating all of the documentation till that company is exited and we'll manage all of that paperwork, which is very, very cumbersome. Yeah. Dan? Wow. So do you show where other people are investing within the app? So I'm seeing some of these new software coming out where you can you can track and see like what other people are doing. Is there something in there with LinkedIn so you can understand like, you know, I, I, maybe I don't have the time to do a lot of research, but, you know, I, I want to see what other people are investing in. We don't have on we we do not have a live feed that shows what other people are investing in but you can tell 
if you were to go in, you can see on a particular company how many shares that are available. Mm -hmm. And if you go in the next day, you can see again how many shares are available. So if you do a math, yesterday I saw 10,000 shares, today I saw five, you know that it's gone. Five is gone, right? So these things, don't, these shares don't last perpetually on our site because we buy into these um, secondary shares when we can get them. And once they're gone, they're gone. And then we may get it back, but maybe at a different price, either higher or lower, depending on the market. Is it easy to sign up as, as one of accredited private investor, Karim? Easy as pie. You should try it. So one, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three. Go, go onto the website. Say, I'm an accredited investor. You know, that's the first step. If you're a self, you can self-accredit, and then you can decide that you wanted to buy something, and you can do that. From that point, though, we we will collect documentations that verify that you are an accredited investor before we let you actually acquire the shares or the equity in the company. Um, but once you've done that once, then you. That's it. Then the next time it's it's under two minutes. Dan? Yeah, that's amazing. Do you have any success stories or is there something that stands out like maybe, I don't know if you can share of something that you personally or somebody you know that or linked to where it was like, wow, this was like a home run slam dunk. I don't know if you can share those things. I don't know the the rules around, you know, what you can or can't share. So it's, 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 um, it's quite simple. So we were early investors in companies such as Coinbase, Robinhood, Marketo, SoFi. We acquired those secondary shares early on before the companies went public. There's some folks that got in at the same price that, uh, you know, early on when we bought them and when the company went public, um, they made a significant return on their investment. Mm -hmm. Now, market timing is always weird. So if those folks held on to those companies for a long, long time, then, you know, with the with the current um, revaluation in the, in the public markets, they probably didn't make out as well if you held on to it. But if you liquidated for cash, you made a lot of money. Uh, to, 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 to clarify, you know, when we invest, we're hoping the companies do well. And we've had, you know, six to seven exits very early on in 2021. So our other investors saw some return on that. Sometimes the public markets don't favor the pricing and you're going to probably lose some money, right? But the difference is when we're winning, you're winning. When we're losing, you're losing. So we're, 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 all, we're in this together. It's not like, hey, we don't care what happened to you uh, because we're, in, we're the first investor. Dan? Yeah, that's amazing. I'd love to hear your background. You know, what was your, what did you do before this in life? And how did you get into this? So I've been around the block a little bit, uh, several times around very large blocks, actually. I've done a variety of things. I started my career as an entrepreneur. I went to school to, uh, to learn uh, international trade and finance and economics. Uh, then went to Kenya, where I was born, uh, built a few businesses there. Um, that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. I moved to the U.S. in 2000, did the traditional um, work, which was become a enterprise sales for a few different companies, including financial companies and two other public companies. Did that for a long time. Got very, very interested in the whole startup scene. I think uh, being an entrepreneur is something that you're born with. You can learn a lot, but you can't, 
you can't develop that skill. So I was dealing with a lot of venture capitalists and startup companies when, uh, uh, when I moved to the U.S. And it was something I was very, very interested in. And seeing the successes that a lot of startups had, of course, and a lot of failures as well, I was, was always wondering how to get involved with these companies early on. And so once I had enough savings, I started making my own angel investments, keeping in mind that uh, angel investing is a risky business and 98% of those companies fail. But if you make one or two good investments, then you're going to see a lot of success. And as the journey continues, I found Linktu and Linktu was like, hey, let's democratize this whole business of allowing others to invest in companies that had already passed that early stage and were on their way to becoming successful companies. And so I invested in Linktu at that time in 2016 and 2019, we released the first uh, uh, platform iteration and we've seen success, a lot of success since that day. Mm-hmm. Love that. Now, Karim, what are some of the learnings there getting involved with startup? That's a whole new war right there, right? You got to be broke for the first three years. And can you tell us what are some of the, I want to hear about some of the learnings from getting involved with so many startups. Some of them fail, some of them really did so well. I want to hear, I think we can help our audience with your experience. This is not an easy task. Sometimes what we what we think is that everything that we invest in will be a home run, just because you know we have this this notion that we are great stock or company pickers, and it's never the case, never the case. So why I would do this is put you put your put your entrepreneur hat on and your investor hat on first, and pretend that you've invested in certain companies. Meet the team, understand the market understand what their potential is and say, okay, I've put in $10,000 or $100,000, whatever the number is, into this company. Watch what happened with that company. And then you can step back and think about yourself and says, okay, did I make a good investment decision? Because keeping in mind that 98% of those companies will fail. So, and the challenge is a lot of investors invest with their heart, which is, I really like the sector. I really like the team and what the company is doing. And you think you can, but in the same time, you're thinking with your experience, I can help them change direction or grow or add value. But oftentimes, the folks who've created those companies, the founders, already know or think they know what they want to do. So by the time you invest, you're actually just a bystander of seeing how they execute. Keep that in mind, because unless you take a significant portion of the equity of the startup, the actual effect that you will have in the company is minimal. They will take your check, but the effect that you will have, unless you're phenomenal at something, will be minimal. And very few of us are phenomenal at most things. Uh, So be cautious of who you're investing in and why. And don't be afraid to ask the following question. I want to see your bank account. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. 
No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional grade supplies for every industry, even hard to find products. And we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you're raising $5 million, uh, you tell me that you've done well. Let me see what you have left in your bank account. The company will also tell you that I'm selling a lot. I've got a huge pipeline of sales. Then ask them, let me see your books. Let me see how much revenue you've actually got. The third thing is interview their core team and try and understand what's not being said, right? Because the team will affect the growth of the company. And if the founders are not aligned with their team, that will create friction, and that friction will, will stop uh, the growth and development of the company, or at least create a lot of uh, speed bumps. So all the questions that you think you should not be asking or are afraid to ask, those are the questions you should be asking. Now, oftentimes, depending on the market you're in and the companies that you're trying to invest in, the founder will say, well, if you don't do this investment in the next 90 days, the opportunity will close. Well, guess what? Walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you don't know what's going on, that money is just as good as thrown away. Wow. what a That was gold right there. And especially in this emerging technology where sometimes, you know, companies you know it, it sounds so great but there's a lot of disconnect when talking to some of the core teams they're not communicating like how is this company run and they don't communicate like they have no clue what they're doing if someone's saying x and someone's doing y it's like well this is such a hot hot mess but everything sounds great in social media yeah and i mm -hmm. what i've done on several companies that i've been interested in is I've actually offered my services for free. And I says, guys, I'll help you do this. Whatever that may be, whether it's finding them their next employee, whether it's finding them their next channel partner, whether it's helping them raise more funding. I said, I will do this for free and I'll give you 60 days, 30 days, whatever the days I think they require. And that gives you great insight into how it is to work collaboratively with the team. Do they support you? Are they on message? Do they give you access to information and documentation? And the more they don't, the more you have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm kind of curious. Any one of those companies that you asked for the, the bank account, what does that look like? How did they react? Was it an, is a good response or freak out response? <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, it's, very, it's very easy. If they say, okay, here, for sure. Here, take a look at our bank account. Mm -hmm. uh, take a look at our sales book, and if it's if it's there, you know they've got they've got nothing to hide, right? Uh, they'll have you sign an NDA, which is fine, uh, but if they don't share it with you or they 
they sort of like shuffle the paper, then it's 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 okay. That's telling you something, right? Absolutely, Dan. <laughs> this, this sounds like a red flag. So we <laughs> we were discussing yesterday. We were actually listening to this master class with Richard Branson, and it really got me thinking. Of, and he was talking about timing. And I know some people talk about luck and skill, but I was thinking like, wow, you know what? Maybe what really separates these companies is timing. They were at the right place at the right time, but it was the founder that could really see that timing and then implement. I think that's what actually separates people. What are your thoughts on that around, uh, you know, success is a lot of times around timing and then also the ability for those founders to implement at the right time. I've uh, been involved in a couple of startups, more than one, more than four, that we built a product, uh, we built a technology, where we thought we were there with a beautiful solution to whatever we were tackling. And we failed because we didn't have enough money and enough traction uh, for the market at that time. When we look back and we say, okay, and when we look back, if I look back 10 years to these companies that we developed, the timing for that company would have been five years ago, right? Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, one was an online uh, education company. At that time, we developed the technology. It was beautiful. We had the right market. We had the right opportunity. And we didn't have the right revenue. We didn't have the right customers who were willing to do what we wanted them to do and we shut the company down. So the question really becomes, did we have the skills to deploy the company? Yes. Was the timing right? No. Really, the question of timing becomes, do you have the money to sustain yourself till the timing is right? Yet, yeah, if we had enough money to run the company another five years from that point that we shut it down, we would have been in the perfect place at the right time. So when they say timing, it all means the timing is correct. It could be one year, two years, it could be 10 years. But are you there when the timing is right? So the question really becomes is do you have the funds to sustain yourself till the timing is right? And if you start to build when you think the time is right, you're probably already behind three years. Right, just like any design. Like if you see it in the market, they're already five years late. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and Kareem, with my experience, I built several startup, and I, I I didn't have the luxury of getting funding. I bootstrap it, so it has to be accurate for me to sustain. So, pretty much, I have a good record of sustaining all startup bootstrapping because I know the timing. And not every entrepreneur can you know, not only execute that, but connecting that data of when to push that gas pedal. And I think, Katie, what, what you've said is really important for everyone to hear. And Daniel, this goes back to your question. It's all about timing. Also think through the timing is different for different groups of people. So you may be building a company for in your mind what you think is the right audience. And they may not be catching on. So the idea would be change your audience, change your customer profile, and the timing may be right for them at that time. So it really becomes about uh, timing is 
does the infrastructure exist? Maybe you got to change what you think you or who you think your customer is. Because there's a different group of people. Yes. And that talent of learning when to pivot is the key. And that is a lot of unicorn. I get a chance to talk to one professor at MIT and he interviewed at least 20 unicorns in the, in the world. And it has to be, you know, pivoting is one. You know, you, like you said, you build this company thinking this is your customer base, but then you're not getting the traction. So you have to pivot into totally different sets of audience. Yeah. Not everyone, but... I think the problem is sometimes entrepreneurs stick to that. This is exactly my clientele. Well, you're not getting detraction, so you got to pivot. Yeah, you have to. Yes. Yes. Dan? And yeah, and, I'm, I'm, and I love that. Thank you for that. I think you both could have a whole conversation around pivoting. And I'm, Kate's nickname is actually the Pivot Queen. And, and I would love to have a whole conversation about that, Kate, because it's really, really, really important. Mm -hmm. I know it's really um, important. So I have a, another question around uh, diversity with uh, funding. So this is this is another hot topic. We were just answering some questions on this earlier today for a publication around, uh, you know, where do we see women especially with Web3, Metaverse, new technology, emerging tech. A lot of women are a part of it versus I'm sure in the 90s, there was very few women in, in the beginning phases of the Internet. So um, when it comes to diversity and investing and funding, where do you see, not necessarily with Link2, just, just your general thoughts, where do you see you know, investing in the future into people that probably in the past um, would have had even a harder time getting funding? Um, if you look at uh, globalinvestorconference.com, uh, the URL that we also use, globalinvestorconference.com, there are some blogs that are written there. It, one of them is about diversity and the stats around uh, funding for women and uh, of color or orientation. And the stats are amazing that 98% of the funding does not go to that minority class. It's still based uh, towards men and generally white men, if we're talking about North America. We, uh, on that same URL, if you go to link to learn, we've had uh, webinars that talk about this particular topic. And in fact, we have a monthly women's series uh, on link to learn where women are talking about women investors and investing in women. Uh, and this, this is coming to the forefront as we start to realize that in particular, not only women, but if you have a diverse group of founders, developers, and creators, the, what that does to your company is inject some nuances that you wouldn't ordinarily see from a typical white male founder from an Ivy League college because that is who they are, that's who they surround themselves with, and that's the market that they cater to, right? Which is a very, very small percentage of the total population. So if you start to bring diversity and invest in diverse groups, you'll start to see a whole different lens of what's potential 
and what the opportunity lies. And this goes back to Kate's, and I'm sure she's seen this. If you bring in different sort of founders or investors, they're opening your eyes to a different market. Mm -hmm. And so you, again, pivoting, timing, resonance with your, your potential clients or community changes with diversity. Uh, if you look at what women in general have been through as they go through their life stages, they're much more resilient, creative, and uh, motivated to succeed, right? Because of being just that gender, right? So there has to be focus on that gender because of how they are created and their DNA around being a woman. And so it's not limited to Web3 or blockchain. It, it, it will transform. Uh, transform any sort of investment environment as we move forward, as long as we pay attention to the person, their background, and what they can do. That is sort of the criteria. Don't pay attention to the color, creed, educational background, but who are they? What have they done and what can they do? See the potential in that, and that's what you're investing in. I'm Karim. I'm kind of curious. Um, what are some of... Um, you know, with a lot of this startup jumping in Web3, can you tell us the current environment when it comes to investing? Is this the right time to do it? I mean, I'm curious. Yes. Uh, let's understand it. Web3, Web2, and then there's Web3, right? But there is Web2.5 that we're, no one's talking about, right? If you are going to arrive at Web3, you have to go through Web 2.1, 2.3, 2.5. And that is a transition. And that is a leapfrogging effect. So you have to look at all the intermediate steps of companies being created and that will succeed to elevate us to Web3. You, someone talks about Web3, yes. But what about the companies who are in Web 2.5? Because they're creating the infrastructure for Web3. So let's pay attention to that first. That will become Web3. Absolutely. And we're getting into this hurdle. We're creating an event in the Philippines. And some of our partners dominating in a Web 2.0 world. And now there's kind of a culture of some of the fanatic Web3 that we're not open to you guys because this is our world. No, you need the Web2 learnings, expertise, and talents and skill sets to make Web3 or Web2.0 even a scalable and better for all. Yeah. And, and what I've seen actually, Kate, from the Philippines, a lot of creative and innovative entrepreneurs and funding is coming from the Philippines because they're building for the larger market. So and the challenge with Web3 and the transition from Web2 is people don't quite understand what it means. Well, what is the difference between Web3 and Web2? So let's go through Web2.5. Let's fund those companies. First. There you go. Dan? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But everyone could have a different definition. Yeah, there's an interesting around like, you know, if you're going to do something in blockchain now, people are like, well, how long have you been in crypto? How long have you been in blockchain as if that really matters? But it's fascinating, the dynamics around the world and how people are. And, you know, I think there's a lot of egos and stuff. So um, 
hey, once we all drop ego and we all collaborate and work together, I think we're going to really win. But I know we're at time here. So Kareem, we'd love to hear. Can you just share with everyone, you know, where can they find more information? How can they link to? I know you have linked to learning and, and linked to other things and just the name even link to. You actually explain it to what it means and how you define it. So tell us everything and, and how they can get in contact with you as well. The best way um, is, first of all, if you are into learning, then join our Link to Learn webinars. We have that two or three times a month. They're always interesting. You'll find that on globalinvestorconference.com. Uh, if you are invest, if you're interested in investing in, in mid to late stage growth companies, look at link2.com. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm um, on social media, LinkedIn and Twitter and various other places. If you do want a personal connection, uh, just go to my LinkedIn page, Karim Nurani. But tell me why you're connecting. Uh, tell, tell me that you heard this podcast here with you, with Kate and Daniel, and what it is that you want to speak about. I'm always willing to assist, but uh, a lot of people don't take the time to actually write a message. It's like, hey, connect with me. Well, why should I, right? Or the only in 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 the spammy. Yeah, they, and it's like, come on, can you customize it? At least pay attention to who you're talking to. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And, and I think people don't understand that it's hurting them utilizing. Yeah, you want a shortcut, but when it comes to building relationship and you're trying to build relationship, you don't know who you're connecting to. It is, it, Katie. That, that's such a weird thing, right? It's like. I'm, I get decks all the time. I'm raising money. Look at my deck. It's like, why do I need to look at Take 10 minutes. Understand whether you're speaking with the right person. And tell me why. They want to speak to Daniel. They want to speak to Katie. It's like, hey, write a message and tell you why. And that takes 10, 15 minutes tops. If you're not willing to take the time to take that step, what makes me think you're willing to take the time to build your company? Yeah. Why do you think I would write you a check? Yeah, exactly. Why? <laughs> the best message is where it says like, hi, and then it says parentheses because the auto, like they made a mistake yeah. and didn't put the auto correct. And oh my God. Those are the, I, there's some hilarious, like you could do a whole thing on like LinkedIn messaging gone wrong. It's really like bad. It. <laughs> and, and, and I have to admit, I was lazy during a period of my, uh, during a period of my time. And I tried these things and I'll get messages back saying, Karim, take the five minutes there. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Such an honor talking to you, Karim. I can talk to you forever, entrepreneurship and pivoting and, and then startups, but so much fun. Dan? Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate your time. And everyone, check out Karim and Link2 and make sure you give him a good, well-thought-out message on LinkedIn. So thank you for there being you here. Thank you so much for hosting today, Daniel and Kate. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.